Well, God's richest blessings to you, Concordia family. Today is Wednesday, July 29th. And as we come into August, we prepare for things to begin looking a bit differently here at Concordia with the upcoming academic year. Uh, still, there is so much to be settled about in the near and distant future, but what we do know is we will find ways to join together in God's Word. Uh, well, today we conclude our summer series, One God, One Question, and isn't it wonderful how our God invites our inquiry because He desires to draw us into His truth and His light so that we might not live in fear and doubt, but in confident hope because of the life and the love He gives. And so as we prepare our hearts and minds today, let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, dwelling in majesty and mystery, renewing and fulfilling creation by your eternal Spirit, and revealing your glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. Cleanse us from doubt and fear, and enable us to worship you with your Son and Spirit, one God, living and reigning forever. Amen.
And now as we examine our question for today, I invite you to listen in to Professor Joel Ash. Is there a bigger question than God's identity? Is there any possible question that has more ramifications for all of humanity, for you, for me? And the answer to this question allows us to ask and answer a second tier of questions. Who am I? And what is my relationship to the rest of reality? The other people, the world, the cosmos? How you answer the first question determines how you're going to answer the second question. Answer the first one wrong or avoid it altogether, and your understanding of yourself and your place in this world is going to be totally different. So let's test this. Let's offer up a potential answer to that question, who are you, God? Let's answer in a wholly atheistic manner and see what we come up with. God is a mythic invention of primitive humanity, created as a way to find artificial peace or explanation in a natural world beyond our understanding. Therefore, with the advances of the modern and the postmodern worldviews, God is an unnecessary and untruthful social construct that humanity needs to have the courage to drop altogether. What if we answered it that way? If this is your starting point, then what becomes your answer for the second set of questions? The questions, who am I and what is my reality? It would have to be answered as such. I am an accidental byproduct of the universe. I have no possibility for transcendence. I have no purpose nor any grounds for objective morality. My chief job is to survive in order that I might pass on my genetic code, just as every animal strives to do. Which means it's not a stretch to end up with a worldview, a reality similar to the mortal Robin Thicke when he sings, but you're an animal. Baby, it's in your nature. Hey, hey, hey. Right? <laughs> If God is myth, then we are accident, and we all end up as animals, and we see each other as animals, just animals, domesticated, tagged, herded. Perhaps there's another route to answering this question, who are you, God? What if we apply the Greek aphorism, know thyself, and work backwards? If I know who I am, then perhaps I can proceed from that knowledge to get some sort of firm grasp on who God is. Of course, the danger to this process might be apparent to some of you. If you frame your understanding of God based on your own identity, based on your own experiences, and even perhaps on your own suffering, your God begins to look an awful lot like you. The image of God, the imago Dei, gets reversed. In the first chapter of Genesis, we read that God, as he's creating the world out of his pure goodness, decides to make man and woman in his own image. In his image, he created them. The direction is top-down from God to us. Some important facet of his holy identity is inscribed into ours. But the mistake happens is when we make God into our image. God like us not God with us. To the wealthy, God becomes someone who wants financial prosperity and blessing for my life. To the poor, God becomes someone who sits in the midst of my poverty with me. To the ecologist, God becomes someone who wants the world to be kept in its pristine form. To the oppressed, God becomes the revolutionary who leads people in liberation against tyranny. 
What then is the difference between God and believer? If he's just a rubber stamp to our own agendas, worthwhile though some might be. The only way we can know about God, my brothers and sisters, is to hear what he has to say about himself. God offers us a solution to the question at hand. We ask, who are you, God? And he responds, I've revealed myself in Scripture and in the person of Jesus Christ. Look there. And a little warning, this exercise might confuse us for a bit, but let's take a brief look at God according to God. In Genesis, God often identifies himself through his followers. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And let's call this the, uh, you'll know a God by his followers approach. A little bit later, in Exodus, God asked, uh, Moses asked God for his name so that the Israelites could be confident that, God was, or that Moses was indeed sent by God himself. And God answers this way, I am who I am. Maybe this is more like the reflexive property in geometry approach. In the gospel, Jesus turns to cryptic analogies. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the bread of life. I'm the good shepherd. I am the vine. And this is the strange farming metaphors approach. (laughs) Move to the book of Mark where Jesus turns around the question by asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? Uh, Yes, the classic answer the question by asking another question answer. In one of John's letters, we find that God is love. God is love. The just-married religious section of the Hallmark card Islet Vons approach. But does that do it? And to top it all off, we have the punch-you-in-the-mouth approach from God direct to St. Paul, who, when he was still called Saul and persecuting Christians, was literally knocked off his horse and blinded, and then cries out our very question for today, saying, Who are you, Lord? Sometimes in our efforts to understand who God is, we often end up a heap on the ground, asking the same question. We complain that some of these biblical answers to the question that we've been asking are almost comical. Yet the story of Saul doesn't end up with him on the ground. That's not how any of these above stories, these approaches that I've offered, end. The truth is we can and we must rely on what God has revealed to us in Scripture. It's never enough to look around us and find God in just nature or simple reasoning, as many have tried. We are committed to the truth that God's identity, his character, his plan of salvation is found in the Bible. And what does all of Scripture point to? Jesus. Jesus. He is the source of all reality, whether we acknowledge him as Lord or Savior or not. As a kid, I used to go to Sunday school where the answer to every single question was, good, some of you went to that same Sunday school. I was a grad student on the East Coast at a divinity school, and that divinity school had often lost sight of that answer. It seemed like the answer to every question that was asked there was global warming. Call me naive, but I'm calling for us to return to the moment when the first and last answer to emerge from our lips the answer in the most pressing, urgent, questioning moments of our lives is Jesus. Who are you, God? God delivers his history, into history his answer. Look at Jesus. How do we know God? We look at Jesus because Jesus is God. 
If God is revealed in Jesus, then what is being revealed? How can we make sense of those above answers, those approaches that I outlined, that God gives in Scripture? First, we know that God in Jesus is present here and now for all time. He does not waver. He does not disappear. He is not surprised. He is not caught off guard. He is the I am. Jesus' presence with you is for all time, past, present, future. That God, as evidenced in Jesus, is a God of history and people. He walked beside Abraham in his doubts, Isaac in his trials, Jacob in his abundance, Peter in his boldness and stupidity, Paul in his ferocity, Joel, me, in my weakness, you, in yours. That God, as evidenced in Jesus, is radically for you. He is the good shepherd who protects you. He is the bread of life who sustains you. He is the gate against the evil one, and he is the vine in which we are grafted to his fruitfulness. That God, as evidenced in Jesus, is one who desires community with us, a creedal community that can answer that very question, who do you say that I am? And we answer that question with Peter's words. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. With Thomas's words, my Lord and my God. With St. John's words, God is love. God offers himself in Jesus to you over and over again. He offers himself in your baptism where he sends the Holy Spirit to work faith in your heart. He offers himself in Holy Communion, where Jesus gives his real body and blood for you as a means of his grace and as a way to remember his sacrifice and to remember your place within Christian community. If God is that, then the questions, who am I and what is my reality, become adventurous explorations into Jesus' following. If God is that, then our lives matter. If God is that, then yours, my, our vocations matter. If God is that, our community, our world, our common kinship matters. God is that in Jesus. Amen.
Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, you have endured the doubts of men and even foolish questions in every generation. Forgive us for trying to be judge over you. And grant us the confident faith to acknowledge you as Lord. You are a loving God who knows our frailties and our failings. Give us your grace to overcome them and keep us from those things that harm us and guide us in the way of salvation and service. Lord, your generous goodness comes to us anew every day. By the work of your Spirit, lead us to acknowledge your goodness, give thanks for your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Amen. Well, friends, we have come to the end of our Summer Chapel podcast, really an extension of those podcasts that began when we all had to disperse from campus due to COVID. And so I pray that uh, although we have been apart, this time in the Word together has been a blessing uh, for you. I know it has been for me. And I look forward to being gathered together uh, once again. Things are constantly changing, and so uh, keep coming back to the Concordia website uh, to see the latest update on how it is that we will be participating in Word and in worship together. Uh, The Lord's richest blessings be on you. Uh, Let me speak the Lord's benediction now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen.